There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. They all come from unknown north. Talent, drive, and a pride worth paying for. Because they're above the 49th parallel It doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them Just as well So give it up to these Canucks Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away We sure wouldn't miss them The Canadian Star System Hello again and welcome to the Canadian Star System, a podcast where we speak with some of Canada's most talented people and try to figure out what makes them so good and what makes Canada so bad at celebrating our own. Each episode, our star not only shines, but also shines the spotlight on another talent who they think is a star worthy of wishing the best of success. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and if you don't know me by now, then you will never, never, never know me. Ooh... Ooh, I think I was supposed to sing that. If you don't know those lyrics from the classic Simply Red song, then either you don't like music or you were born after 1989. With me on the podcast, as usual, is my producer, Diana Francis, who was for sure born well, well, well before 1989. Hi, Diana. Hi, Steve. Yes, that's correct. I'm old. I remember that song You're well. vintage. I'm very vintage, like a nice, nice wine that hasn't corked yet. But I'm very excited that we're talking about music today, Steve. Me too. We have, a, we have one of my favorite musicians on the show today. And it gets, I always love finding out from people, uh, it's a great conversation starter, icebreaker, what the first concert you ever saw live in person was. So my question to you, Steve, because I don't think I've ever asked this, what's the first concert you ever saw? Oh, you're going to ask me that question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I got to think back. I got to think back. I went to a lot of pretty interesting concerts because I have a brother that's like six years older than me. And he would take me to concerts instead of uh, babysitting me like he was supposed to. So <laughs> the first concert I ever saw, I'm pretty sure it was Rush. I saw Rush wow. when I was like 11 uh, at Exhibition Stadium in Toronto with my brother and a, and a whole bunch of other uh, males. <laughs> and s- probably so much contact secondhand marijuana high that I should probably be a lot smarter today. <laughs> but that, that was the first concert I saw. What about you? The, well, uh, I, it wasn't Rush because um, for years, the, the running joke with my friends was that I couldn't get to a radio knob fast enough to turn off Rush if it came on. <laughs> and then my previous boyfriend was a huge Rush fan. And I'm pretty sure that that's why he dated me because he was American and I was Canadian. And he was like, you must know Rush. And he dragged me to a Rush concert and I um, hated it. <laughs> How did this torture. turn into a rush bash? You, I'm so sorry, know, rush, but they're how... great guys. They're great guys. I, I when oh, I worked on the God, that is the worst thing to say. Like they're <laughs> one of the best bands. You're like they're so nice though. They're, they're such so great nice. fellas. They should start a great fellas band. 
I will say what I enjoyed most most about the concert when I did see Rush was watching a father-son duo. The son was maybe 10 years old and the son air drummed through the whole thing and the dad air bass guitar through the whole thing. And I watched them. It was a like I, I was watching them having a father-son bonding moment. It was beautiful. And that's probably what my brother and I were doing, except uh, there was no air instruments. He was just passing me a joint. <laughs> you know what? This is uh let's let's segue into our current guest, shall we? Let's get rolling on this because uh you say she is one of your favorite performers. Not only is she one of my favorite performers, I'm gonna one up you here, Diana. She is one of my favorite people that I've Ooh. ever spoken to. We had the opportunity to speak on a on a different project. She's a celebrated singer, songwriter, a noted musical arranger who works as easily and frequently with symphony orchestras as I do with opening beer bottles. She is an advocate for performers' rights, a champion of emerging artists, and now, maybe most importantly, a brand new mom with a voice so clean it gleams. It's the one and only Sarah Sleen. Yay! <laughs> yeah! Woo! That intro is amazing! Do you like that? I will gladly come on the road with you when this is all over, if you like, and introduce every concert like that, Sarah. Please be, do. Be Can we do an episode of The Debaters, too? Absolutely. I know that you are you are very outspoken. We would love to get you. Maybe we'll get you against one of the other Sarahs. Maybe we'll do a Sarah off. <laughs> oh, who's the most iconic Sarah? I love uh, it. Okay, Diana, this is not that show. Come on. This is the Canadian star system. Now, Sarah, last time we spoke. Yes. Uh, since then. You done some performing. You did some live performing. You got to get out there to Burlington. I saw. Yes. Uh, you've done some virtual performing. You got mm -hmm. yet another Juno nomination. And there was what? What was the one other thing? I have Canadian my Oh, you had a baby. Award. You oh, had yeah, a baby that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. Which one of those events would you say has changed your daily life the most? Well, gee, um, the child, the child, <laughs> the it's child. the most amazing thing. I'm operating at about 42% cognitive capacity right now. <laughs> um, the fact that you could say cognitive capacity, I am yeah, very impressed. That is impressive. I, yeah, I could never say that before any, any children. Yeah. She's so wonderful. She's, we're madly in love with her. We haven't slept. We're sort of delirious with fatigue, but... It's amazing. It's, uh, you know, as all parents know, it's kind of, it's just miraculous. And what is your lovely baby's name again? Did you mind? Her name is Abigail. We call Abigail. her Abby. I love it. Abigail, mm. Uh, mm. middle name, can we ask? Is that prying too much? Abigail Mary Hope. And the Mary is after my beloved grandmother, who I wrote a song about, who's, you know, one of my absolute heroes. And also it's Abby's dad's mom so abby's grandmother's name is mary oh, and perfect. hope is my middle name so abigail I mary hope. Not, how perfect is that of course <laughs> hope is your middle name. of course it is sarah hopeslein of course it is where's abby now is there a chance that this interview may be <laughs> preempted by abby because i understand if it is no well see we had to now that i'm a parent i have to figure these things out life happens in you know two hour intervals because she gets hungry so she's downstairs with her grandma right now, and we have backup supply in the fridge. So I'm I'm prepared. I'm a mom now. I have to be. I love it. I just love that we talked a little bit about kids in our last interview, and then <laughs> uh, and then here you go and you make one. Congratulations, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. And I think that Abby's got uh, incredible life ahead of her as the as the daughter of Sarah. Okay. Let's not make this about her. She's got to earn her own way. All right. We'll have her on down the road. Tell us about your latest Juno nomination, which was a collaboration with Symphony Nova Scotia. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited about this. And it's, you know, it's so funny. This is just the way of the universe. I had stopped really paying attention to the Junos many, many years ago <laughs> when I stopped being nominated for them because I just, you know, I had, I was following my own path and it just never really involved me you know, it kind of left my radar. So I was just in my housecoat washing the floor <laughs> when my phone started to blow up and people were like, congratulations, congratulations. And I was like, what for? You know, and people were like, Juno nomination. And I'm like, cool, who? You know, and they're like, you idiot. And I just, I did not expect this at all. I was so excited to make this recording it's a it's a long involved project with so many moving parts the first part of the recording was was done in 2012 
and the second part of the recording in 2018. So the entire project spans about eight years. There are so many people involved. A great producer at CBC by the name of Jeff Riley. This was his brainchild. One of my mentors and uh, absolutely favorite people, composers, professors in the world. His name is Christos Hatzis. This was something that he composed for the orchestra. And I got to sing it. And he, you know, was delighted to work. This is kind of unusual in the classical world. He wanted a voice that wasn't a classical voice. He wanted someone who was musically literate, who knew their way around an orchestra and a score, but had something else to offer, a different kind of vocalizing. And it was just such a thrill to work on this thing. And I had no idea that it would be nominated for Juno. It was a very pleasant surprise. What a lovely, lovely way that that all came about. And it's, isn't it the best when you're not expecting it? (laughs) I'm kind of, this is the universe, right? Like I think when you, when you just let go of things and you, you know, you just let go, it comes to you, you know, in the easiest way possible. Like, you know what I mean? Like without even trying. Actually, I do know what you mean. We're talking about cleaning floors. Sometimes I just I just let go of the fluid that cleans the floor and then I leave it there because have you really spilled anything? If you spill cleaning fluid on the floor, I don't think so. I think this is also such a a, a beautiful indication of what our star system is like in Canada mm-hmm. that, you know, one of our most talented artists in in the country cleans her own floors. Yes, ma'am. You know? Yes, ma'am, I do. <laughs> right down to earth. <laughs> getting her hands dirty. I love it. Getting her hands dirty while her floors are getting clean. <laughs> now, listen, the Juno Awards, we're talking about these now. For those who don't know, uh, the Juno Awards are the, the Canadian Grammy Awards. They're what we give to our, our uh, musicians each year. And, you know, recently the Junos was in the news in a, in a roundabout way because the, the weekend, Canadian, fabulous Canadian performer, Felt slighted by the Grammys, said he's not going to go for Grammys anymore, but he's nominated for several Junos and he's he's very happy about it. Do these Juno Awards mean more to Canadians, do you think, than any other awards? Well, I think the Canadian Screen Awards means a lot to our creators for the screen as well and the Doras for the Mm -hmm. stage artists out there. But, you know, I think that Canadian musicians in particular have had massive global success. Like if you just think about Mm -hmm. even the last 25 years, there have just been, you know, superstars, superstars, The Weeknd, Celine Dion, Shania Twain, Alanis Morissette. There are so many musicians in this country, a broken social scene, like all of these bands and artists that have had massive, massive impact. It's crazy to me that we, as you say, have such difficulty celebrating them. I'm I'm glad to see that the Junos is now a lot glitzier. You know, there's a, a lot more attention being paid to making it a really glamorous show because I think that's kind of the reason we have so much talent in this country is because people kind of look around and go like, well, oh, I guess, you know, no one's making a big fuss about anyone. I'll go back to my right, studio right. and get better. Like, I, I remember <laughs> going to playing shows in New York in the late 90s and early 2000s and feeling like, wow, OK, we're going into the heart of the big leagues. Let's bring our A game and being all freaked <laughs> out and intimidated and going to play, say, an open mic or something like a bunch of dates to fill in a tour, right? And you'd go in there and you'd play and you'd see the first three acts and you'd be like, um, what? You know, really? Like, I have 10 friends who blow these acts out of the water and everyone in Canada just doesn't even know how good they are because everyone is just looking around at their peers going, oh, that's, that's how good you have to be. That's just normal. And then you go into a much larger pool and you see, oh, wow, like Canada, everyone is so good. Everyone is so good. That's our soundbite. Sorry, Diana, that's our soundbite. <laughs> that's it. That's our promotion for this of, show. Yeah. Perfect and, and because of this, you know, beautiful, I guess, British heritage of this extreme humility that we all have, it really <laughs> does kind of work in a vicious cycle, right? Everyone is so extremely humble that they, you know, just keep wanting to be better. They don't deserve this or that. They want, they just are focused on being better. 
And it's only until you, it's not until you go into these larger markets and you, you know, if you tour in Europe or you tour in the States, you start seeing what's actually out there and you realize like your contact list in your iPhone has like maybe 30 geniuses in it. <laughs> well, my, I don't know if mine does, but yours, yours might. Yeah, it's mostly my high school buddies and they would not, I don't think, unless you count Apple stores, uh, geniuses. There's that humility again, Steve Patterson. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm I mean, right here, Steve. I'm I know, right yeah, here. Di- I have Diana's, Diana's the smartest person in my phone. What does that tell you? Now, <laughs> I, I'm really happy to hear you say that, Sarah, of the music world, because in the comedy world, I find it very similar. Look, there is a lot of great comedy anywhere, but Canada... I will put a Canadian team of comedians up against any comedy team in in the world. And as you say, I've been down to Los Angeles and been on shows and and thought, wow, this is a it's a showcase show. There's going to be some really good stuff on here. And it just didn't it just what didn't blow me away. And it's not sliding the others. It's just we 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 have it so, so good here. And it's from all across Canada. So let me ask you this. Toronto gets a lot of heat for People, you know, things being Toronto centric, or at least at least it did. I mean, not during the pandemic. It's very much the opposite. It's the literal last place you want to be in the world. But when we get to the other side of this and there will be another side, do you think that musicians or or artists in any area in Canada have to be based in or near Toronto for their work? Definitely not. Definitely not. I live in Toronto, but I live in Toronto because of the proximity I have to other artists. I mean, we are on the crest of virtual technologies really starting to sink in and penetrate the the national consciousness or or the collective consciousness, right? So it won't be weird or feel distant in 5 years. It will just be absolutely normal, right? So you really can probably live anywhere, but I still I mean, I'm in my 40s and I still have the old school thing of like, I like to be in a room playing with musicians. I like to be in a room feeling the audience react to me or feeling their vibes or participating in that exchange. So I think I will always live in a major urban center. I mean, I've at one moment in my life, I owned a farm. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask yes. you about that. I thought you were. Out I, I owned a yeah. farm, a 26 acre farm for uh, a hot minute, as they say. <laughs> How long ago was that? Sarah? Uh, 20, was it a while ago? 20, did I buy it in 2015, 2013? Some, oh, not that long yeah, ago. Yeah, not okay. that long ago. And I had it for about three years and completely renovated a house and and did all of that, uh, the stuff that you do. But I realized that the farm reality and the farm fantasy, Hmm. never the twain (laughs) shall meet. So, (laughs) but what I missed when I was out there, I mean, I would constantly be driving into the city or into other small cities to, to do performances and things like that. But I missed the, the ferment, the sort of accidental mixing of like the being around people, even if they're just in coffee shops or do you know what I mean? Like yes, being 100%. in a neighborhood where there was a certain amount of density, I feel like that fuels me as an artist. Of course, we all need vacations from uh, density and, you know, urban environments in general. But I I feel inspired there when there's a lot of different perspectives. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, who knows if cities will still look that way after what we've experienced in this particular moment in history? Who knows, right? right? But up until now, I've, you know, pretty pretty much an urban cat, I would say. And I wanted to ask you, in terms of virtual performing versus live, and we obviously know what your mm-hmm. what your preference is, especially because you're a person that can work with with large orchestras, and there's no substitute for that than a live room, obviously. But I have to say, right after we spoke last time, I caught your your first virtual show on Side Door Access, great website, by the way, to catch shows of musicians and comedians. And I was blown away by how Mm. intimate the experience was, just you and your piano. And it wasn't just like we were in the front row. It was like I was on stage with Mm -hmm. you. It was so close. And it was 
as if you were serenading me personally, which you did earlier that week, because on the show, you sang a song (laughs) just to me. So maybe that was the experience. But is that the feedback that you've gotten from fans? Mm Because I thought it was really... I know it's not the same as live, but in certain ways, yep. it was incredible. Sound was good. You were right there and it was like it was being performed for, for just me, which again, I just want to point out to everyone listening, Sarah did perform a song <laughs> for just me once. So the rest of you can <laughs> suck it. Anyway, go ahead. Steve. Well, you know, I do think we're at a really interesting moment in history right now. We are, we're still animals, right? We are still mammals. We still have a central nervous system. And we still have all of this unspoken language happening between bodies, right? So that's why there is this, the primacy and the the specialness of sharing space, actual physical three-dimensional space. That is always going to be kind of special to us because we're, we're animals. But having said that, technology does, I mean, the, the kind of concert that you're describing, the side door access concert we did, the camera was two feet from my face, which is like not the way you're going (laughs) to see a physical concert in reality and not the way I'm ever going to perform. And it was a a kind of disarming intimacy, right? That you, you would still feel like I still felt it in my central nervous system. And I'm sure the listeners were saying they still got hair standing up on their arms and, you know, they were moved or they were, you know, they felt things. So it is amazing to me that human beings who have been locked into this sort of three-dimensional mammalian reality, we are finding ways to to almost hack that. And I think we're just on the crest of it now, and we're only going to figure out ways to make that even more real feeling. And I mean, I don't know if that's a wholly good thing. Who knows? You know, it is a, it is still a very <laughs> right, protected right. kind of intimacy. Like we have the barrier of the screen, uh, which I think a lot of people hide behind. Yeah. I mean, just go look at Twitter and you'll see the, the results of being able to hide behind as, right. uh, you know, a little <laughs> avatar and, and speak your mind to the world. But we are, this is just early days. Mm. And so... All of these things are going to progress and morph and evolve. And it's it's kind of exciting slash terrifying to see where that will go. Can I say just really quickly, Sarah, when you're talking about the intimacy, that there is still intimacy in those virtual performances. There's something that I recognized as an audience member that I don't know that you as a performer have seen, but I've seen several of sh- uh, concerts on Side Door Access. Great website. Awesome way to see things. They as get you it. Mentioned. Uh, they yeah. get okay. it. Uh, mark that down. They should be sponsoring this. You're right. Yes. But one of the things that I noticed, so so when I love live concerts, I love live music, and it's very much you know you're in a crowd and you you're all facing towards the audience, and you might be there with a friend and you can check in in with a friend and go, oh, how are you enjoying this? But it would be very rude to stare at yes. another audience member and yes. watch their. <laughs> experience of the show but with with side door great website it's really quite an amazing it's really honestly they haven't paid us anything yet so stop but one of the things that i experienced was when they when it's a concert where they whoever's producing it is flipping between different um, audience reaction screens i as the viewer i'm not just watching Sarah, the performer, I'm also watching now Steve watch Sarah. And you catch these little intimate moments in people's living rooms where they're slow dancing or somebody's like cooking a a meal and watching (laughs) it. And, and Mm. it's these, it's like you're, you're, you're peering into these like windows of, of people's homes and watching them experience things. It's this other layer of intimacy that I never Absolutely. would have imagined. Was and you know, thing. that is what a, a, some of my friends dropped in on a few of those shows. I did, ended up doing three last year. My friends dropped in and that's exactly what they said. They said they found that actually profoundly yeah. moving, being able to look at someone yeah. at a stranger's face while they were hearing a song that meant something to them, you know, like see, being inches away essentially from this person you know having a very intense experience it was really you know new this is a new experience this is what i mean by like we are on the crest of this wave and i who knows where it's going but it is it is very intimate extremely so yes 
you know, on the side on the sidebar of that, I did enjoy that. I enjoyed watching people watch the show, entire families watching the show. And then there was a beautiful moment, which I thought it was a beautiful, just a beautiful, real honest moment. You're the alarm on your dishwasher <laughs> yes. went off during the show. And it's just like, beep, beep. And you kept playing. And at the end, yeah. you're like, I'm pretty sure that was my dishwasher. And I was just like, we're in her home. Like, we're in her yeah. home. And she's doing this concert for it. So There's a humanity to it that like you would not have expected. That you, yes. you'd think, oh, we have to do these things online now. They're virtual. What a limiting experience is going to be. And you have no idea what is on the other side of it. Like, the other ways mm-hmm. that we find as humans to connect. Being an eternal optimist, I love that interesting well i find too that like social media human beings are we are very masked we all you know to quote t.s Eliot, you know we all prepare a face to meet the faces that we meet right like we all in some way need Mm. a bit of a barrier and i think you know to have a line between public and private is essential to mental health like i absolutely think that that is key (laughs) however yeah there are these ways where we are becoming essentially more and more unmasked. Like I have seen people posting things on IGTV that I am like, I'm, I'm almost uncomfortable for them. It is so personal and it is so, you know, as a performer, you have a, a sort of manicured image to present to the world and that's getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And in some cases they just drop it all together. And this can connect people in new and excellent ways. And they they find all this, you know, support and connection. But at the same time, it's like, it's a bit terrifying. You know, it's terrifying for me. I I like to try and keep that line, just make it, make sure it's there. But when my dishwasher goes off and I'm like, hey, babe, can you turn that off? You know, like, <laughs> it is pretty cool, right? Like, <laughs> I agree with you completely that there's, I think moving forward, it might be a bit of a hybrid between live performances and, hey, in between live, not the worst thing if you want to do a quick concert, try out some new stuff for, yep. for fans that want to hear new stuff, you know? So I, I think you're absolutely bang on there. Let's Let's shift gears a little bit here. In addition to all your fabulous work as a musician, you've also recently put your hat in the ring for a a leadership position with SOCAN. First of all, can you explain to the listeners what SOCAN is and then tell us what you would like to do if you can get into a leadership position there? Yes. Well, it's a bit of a long shot because the uh, people running this year, there are so many amazing super qualified, excellent, excellent candidates. So if I lose, I'm, I'm happy. Either way, Whoever gets in there, you're in good hands. I know, right? Sarah, you're being too Canadian. <laughs> you're being too Canadian, and I will work with you as your campaign you're manager because that is a terrible slogan. Uh, no, if I, I, well, lose, I am because I'm I've happy. been a member of SoCan since I started in this business, and they're a performing rights organization. They are the organization in Canada that collects for composers and authors. So people that write their own music or lyrics, people that write cues for television shows. Films like these are people that are making music, authoring music, right? So it's extremely, extremely important for artists to be involved in this particular organization because it's essentially the copyright, the copyright of Canadian music makers. And this is often the bread and butter of that particular kind of creator. Me, I've always written my own songs. So you know, back in the day when I was making albums on Warner, these would be substantial checks with which I could finance, you know, I could pay my whole band, I could pay managers, I could, it, it financed, helped to finance a career. And lately with YouTube, Spotify, streaming, all of the, the digital massive wave of change that has come over the past 10 to 15 years, that is getting harder and harder to track to uh, make sure that all of the flow, the money flowing from those particular rights flows to the hands of the creators. And it's become very difficult to just navigate the, the absolute rat's nest maze of royalties, rights, and getting these people the money that they need to continue making a living in the creative environment. So I see young artists, the generation below me, trying to make things work in either film composing or, you know, being a, an artist or even a songwriter for other artists. And it's getting harder and harder and harder because those royalties are getting lost in the ether. They're 
streaming rates have have plummeted. YouTube is not being the player that they could be in this particular space. There's it's all a whole bunch of complex legislation that is in the in the middle of being changed right now in Canada. But it's really important to have artists and creative people on these boards who understand you know how things have changed, how they need to be updated and modernized so that we can protect being an artist and and making a living as an artist in Canada. I mean, look, there might be other worthy candidates, but I can't imagine anyone more qualified or passionate than you. So with all due respect to the other (laughs) candidates who are not on this show right now, I, I, I hope you lose. (laughs) We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, Steve, don't you hate it when you stop getting nominated for awards? Well, they never really started for me, so it's not like I've noticed what I wasn't already getting, no. Well, should you start getting nominated for awards and then stop paying attention to them because they stop paying attention to you? Huh? Then it's time to put on that house coat and start washing the floor because you need Make It Clean with Sarah Sleen, the all-purpose cleaner. Wait a minute, this stuff really exists? Sure doesn't. Nothing will make the Canadian entertainment industry pay attention to you faster than literally being brought to your knees cleaning up your own mess. Well, you know what I always say, Diana? Just let go of the cleaning fluid and leave it there. Because have you really spilled anything if you've spilled cleaning fluid? Is that what you always say? said it twice in this podcast already. You know, Steve, Make It Clean with Sarah Sleen doesn't just work on floors to get you a Juno nomination. Try it on your walls and watch the Canadian Screen Awards roll in. Just imagine what you'll get nominated for if you use it to clean your toilet. Hmm, a Golden Globe? Exactly. Nice. So if your career and floors are looking a little dull, then shine them up using Make It Clean with Sarah Sleen. If you're going to do a side door concert from home, you better make sure your home looks good. Good point. And coming soon, super clean Sarah Sleen baby wipes. This Canadian award season, you are going to clean up. Aw, you think so? Oh, not you, Steve. Um, talented people. Huh. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And now back to the show. Let's segue into a little section because I, I, I would love to talk to you for many more hours, but we've got a great guest that you're going to introduce us to. And uh, I'm very excited to, for everyone to get to know more about So am I. Guest. But first, Sarah, we've got this section where I ask quick questions and we call it quick questions. Quick questions. <laughs> and here comes the first one inspired by an earlier section in our interview. 
Okay. In a Sarah off between yourself, Sarah Harmer, and Sarah McLaughlin, who emerges the most Sarah? Ooh, ah, uh, McLaughlin. Really? <laughs> she's the first. Come oh, she's on. the first. We bow down to her. But you wrote a song called Sarah. If there's, <laughs> this is true. If there's a Sarah Palooza, then that's the song that closes it. <laughs> there are a lot of Sarah songs, you know. There are a lot. Are there? I mean, Bob Dylan, Air Supply. <laughs> I didn't know Bob Dylan's was called Sarah. Though. <laughs> I couldn't understand what he was saying. Okay, the most, as an arranger, the most difficult instrument to write an arrangement for. Ooh, any of the winds. Any of the winds. Yes. Any of the woodwinds. Of all the performers you have performed with, who stands out as the most fun? Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, uh, that's an easy one. Okay. Oxley Workman. He Oxley. is... He's a very, very funny man. I, I kind of think that if he didn't do music, he could have a career in comedy. I, you know what? I was hoping you would say Hawksley because uh, <laughs> I want to butter him up because we want him as a guest. <laughs> if you were not a musician, what job would you most like to do? Oh, that's an easy one, too. Do you know what I would do? I would study the brain, neurology, neuroscience. This has fascinated me since my 20s. I considered going back to school for it. I'm just so fascinated with how this lump of flesh produces the, the vast... <laughs> And mysterious phenomena we call consciousness. Like it's just, it's endlessly interesting to me. I never know exactly what you're going to say, but it's all, the answer is always even better than I thought it would be. You're the, <laughs> it's the deepest, you're the deepest person that I have any conversation with. No offense, Diana. You, we have uh, great no. talks too. Yeah. Fair enough. I want to study your brain, Steve, just to figure out how <laughs> you can have- To see if there is one. <laughs> just to figure out how you can have so many unread emails. Okay. You know what? Let's, this isn't about me. This is not about me. Last question, Sarah. Yes. And I'm, I'm altering between, toddling between two of them. You know, you gave a deep answer last time, so we'll just, we'll just do this one. What is your favorite song of yours or another's to perform? Name one. Name one. Mm, favorite song to perform. Oh, geez. Well, if it's with an orchestra, I would have to say uh, a song called The Cosmic Ballet. Love it. Love that song. I love it. Mm -hmm. I, and it's the, uh, the Irish Buds, my favorite line. And I know that oh, you took that from Irish literature, but... You made it. You made it your own. So, uh, the right answer was the right words. Oh, performing <laughs> to Steve Patterson by himself. Uh, <laughs> Darn, I got that one wrong. Love that. I love that song so much. I love all your stuff, but that one. That one really speaks to me. Okay, now just before we get you to introduce our uh, second featured guest today, we need you to complete a couple sentences for us, just off the top of your head, please, Sarah. Lightning round. Woo! The Canadian star system is. Bogus. <laughs> very quick. Very Dysfunctional? Quick. No, it's one. You say, we got our soundbite. <laughs> and being the next door neighbor to the United States is like. Ooh, what's the like a meth lab something apartment <laughs> above a meth lab? I am not going to I'm not going to say that because it's too easy. Um, but I would just say it's like you are. You're next door to some, you're in a semi-detached, right? <laughs> right? You're in a semi-detached yeah. house and you're not sure if your neighbors are in a satanic cult. <laughs> 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 Which, you know what, actually speaks to me because I was next door, I am in a semi-detached and I was next door to neighbors who had human skeletons on their porch. Year round. I'm not wow. joking. This was the Halloween house on the street, and I was on the other side of the wall. So uh, it hits close to home, that question. Oh, my God. Hilarious. <laughs> they just moved, though. They just moved. Hilarious. Yes, to the cemetery. <laughs> right in time gonna... for my child. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. And Abby thanks you. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much. You're not going anywhere. You're just segueing into the guests that you brought on for us. But uh, always a pleasure to speak to you. And now, if you would do us the honors of introducing... Your featured guest, please. Well, I am so, so excited to introduce your audience to this guy. As, a, as an artist, he does not need any amplification because he's already a super famous, super accomplished actor in film, television, and on the stage. Sings, acts, all the things. He is also now running to become a liberal politician. And this is what I absolutely love about this particular artist. 
you know, uh, we get told as artists to stay in our lane, just shut up and sing, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what could you possibly bring to the political sphere? And in his case, I think he brings so much. He brings fierce intelligence, a unique perspective, an artist's perspective, an immigrant's perspective, but also just, you know, such progressive ideas and such inspiring ideas. The ideas I think we need right now. So I'm uh, super, super excited to introduce the formidable Ali Momin. Yes. yes. Sir. What an introduction. Hello. Wow. Hello, Allie. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm honestly moved. Sarah, thank you so much. Hello, Steve. Uh, oh, my goodness. What How are you I, doing? I can't, even, I can't even get her to say my name. And you got that introduction. That's, that's the I power know. of Allie moment. We call it momentum. The momentum. <laughs> yes. My Ooh, campaign team is working on all these things. Like, this is the moment, momentum. So you know. Yeah, yeah, well, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't waste the moment. Well, don't know. get Sarah to write your campaigns. We've already heard what hers would be. Ah, someone else will probably win it. She writes a lot of great things. I'm not sure if you've heard Steve make his way around a pun, but he might oh, yeah. be useful to yeah. you, Allie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or, or, oh, yeah. Di- or directly the opposite. Now, listen. <laughs> We will get to your political standpoint and inspiration very shortly. And there's a lot at stake here, Ali, because I do happen to live in your riding as we've... As I we've, know, I perked up when you told me. <laughs> as we've recently discovered. <laughs> but let's talk about, let's talk about your, your family roots, first of all. You came here sure. from Iran with your family mm-hmm. when you were three years old because yeah. your family wanted to carve out a better life. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that experience growing up and... and and was Canada a welcoming environment for you, by and large, or what was your experience? My family came, yeah, when I was three years old, and for the first kind of, you know, period, I would say first couple months, we lived, I think, in like an unfinished basement apartment, you know, it was just tough. It was me and my two older sisters and my mother, and, uh, you know, I have so many vivid memories of that experience. I remember, you know, the first time I saw furniture coming to my house. It was a, it was a, it was a couch that my sister and my, and uh, my father found outside and they brought it in. Mm. I remember the first time I had McDonald's. Mm. Um, my dad got us just one McChicken because that's all we could afford. And I'll never forget sitting outside and that McChicken falling on the ground. <gasps> and my dad, I know, and my dad picking up and says, you know, this is, we got to have it. And, you know, it, it was very difficult I, all these, I feel like I'm talking to a therapist. I just, you know. That's all right. I'll, I'll send these, you my uh, fee later. But go <laughs> ahead. We've got the full hour. I will tell you, you know, my family is an exceptional bunch of people. Whatever they, they went through, they tried to, I think, shelter me as much as possible. And they really tried to be there for me. You know, it's the quintessential immigrant success story. You know, where we are now compared to where we were is 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 a big is a big big shift and you know i know we talk i don't want to go into the politics now but I, but i will say you know one of the reasons why parkdale high park is so important to me it's 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 full of people like my dad who are new citizens who came to this country with a hundred dollars in their pocket but of course you know my worry is that if they worked as hard as my father and had the aptitude of my father could they could they find that success and now we are in a state where that is in question mobility isn't what it used to be so as much as I revere the, you know, the immigrant experience of, of my family, I go, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if everyone had that opportunity? Well said. Now, yeah. I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah. Um, that you're, is your mom a teacher? Is she an educator now? She was. No, no. She was an educator in Iran. But then when she came here, she uh, basically, she needed to do a twofer. So she was like, how can I get a job and also take care of these, uh, these, these little munchkins around me? <laughs> so she got a job at a daycare. So she would take uh, me and my, uh, my middle sister, uh, who's a year older than me. I have two older sisters. They're amazing. And uh, yeah, she would take <laughs> well me to daycare. So she wasn't a teacher here in, in, in Canada? No, 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 no. Her, her kind of focus was just, you know, we have three children and we got it. She has to do what she has to do. Which is, Which is why we need affordable and available childcare. I, I, listen, I, uh, Amen. Yeah, Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely preaching to the converted. Because here. I will say, listen, my father is great. My father has built a successful company, but my mother is better than he is. So, you know, <laughs> just imagine what she could have done. My wife is home right now taking care of our two young girls. And uh, yeah. it's, if, if it weren't for the moms in general, mm-hmm. but especially moms of mm-hmm. young children, keeping families going while we try to keep... Yeah everything else going, it, nothing would work. So 
Nope. I, I really do hope that people realize that. And most of all, I hope that employers realize that and hire moms out of this. But it's such a challenge. I, I agree with you. Well, that. you know, it's, it's, it's if women participated as equally as men in the labor market, it's 100 billion extra dollars a year in the economy. Yep. Wow. That's and a you fact. know, That's a it's as a new mother, I see I get to watch my partner continue. I mean, his life has changed and upended as well, but he continues to work nine to five, you know, uninterrupted. And mm. if it was the same for women, I, you know, obviously the child desperately needs the mom more at once it's born. But I mean, it's exactly as Ali says, like, this has been the answer all along. It almost feels like, you know, like. Women have been saying this for so long. Like, if I can continue earning, if I can, you know, so many more options for families, and that would be that much more skilled workers in the workforce, that much more economic output. Patriarchy is hard to break, but, you know, it's, that's just where it is. That's just what it is. Uh, well, yeah. the, you know, everyone needs to realize when, when the fight is theirs as well and to, and to join in. And I think, you know, we've realized that with a lot of different things with, with, uh, women's rights with childcare and especially with uh, Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives Matter movement. This isn't just their fight if you're not part of that group. You have to join actively in it. So I'm 100 percent. And, and, and I will I will say one thing, though, I think it's important for us to articulate equity, which is what we're discussing as a, as a get. It's not a give. Because, mm. you know, as I said, you know, when we do affordable and available childcare, 100 billion extra dollars into our economy. And another really, one of the best articulations of equity was from a guy named Warren Buffett, who is quite the capitalist, but they asked him about the Me Too movement and also Black Lives Matter. And he says, I'm all for it. And they were like, why? He goes, more talent. Yes. We have been living our entire existence with 50% of the talent churning Amen. it. Imagine what happens when 100% churns it. I think, and this is, we're going to get to this, like why we need to have, you know, the artistic vision and thought in politics is that. We as artists believe not in finite possibilities, but infinite possibilities. We inherently believe in abundance, that there's always more. And that's what we need to push for. So we need to not just articulate, you know, equity as this thing that is the just thing to do. It is, but it's also the most advantageous thing to do for all of us. It lifts everybody up. Do you see why I'm championing this man? Oh, my yes. God. Listen to this. We're all championing each other here. This yeah. is the worst debate I've ever moderated. You're saying the exact same thing from the opposite sides. And Ali, you skipped down and answered questions five, six, and seven in that one. So oh, yeah. I'll just get to the next one. Not only is the, uh, is the equity in the gender wages and gender roles necessary, but it's, it's necessary for our protection because your big sister protected you growing up, right? She did. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She is, I consider my, you know, my eldest sister, Sherry, it's not even a sister. It's like a, it's like a complete kind of guardian angel to me. And she truly, truly was there for me. I'll tell you another thing about my sister though, is that my mother became a young grandmother. She was a, a grandma and like, she was 47 or 48 years old and uh, she became a grandmother. And at that time, my sister was like 25 years old when she had my niece. And so my sister still had work to do. She had still school to go to. She had to like figure it out. And now she's like a, you know, big name in a bank. But if she, again, we're going back to like that. It was amazing and it's a beautiful story. But what was it when you break it down? It was, a, it was not even affordable. It was free, but it was childcare. Mm -hmm. Childcare allowed my sister mm -hmm. to thrive. And if my sister didn't have childcare, she didn't have my mother. I, I you know. I, I, you know, I agree with you. And I can hear, I can hear the passion in your voice. And I don't think enough That's just people, my microphone. It's a special microphone. Yeah, so you, I you've got the, you've got <laughs> yeah. the passion I put, filter. I put on Sarah, a switch. I put on Sarah's a switch. Sarah's got it too. Sarah always sounds so passionate, but it's just a filter on her microphone. I finally know. Sarah's a genius. Let's just say that right now. <laughs> you know I was what? listening she to the first us. 30, 40 minutes. I was like, holy moly. I know. This she's, woman. She's, uh, and she should, she should run SoCan. And I'm going to, I'm going to find out who the other nominees are and get them to drop out. <laughs> Like we're still, we are still straddling the roles between uh, actor, performer, and now aspiring politician. So I just want everyone to to realize that in your repertoire, not only do you have your degree in performing arts, you've had a lot of amazing roles. One of them being as Nep in the Oscar-nominated Biba Boys. 
Well, it wasn't Oscar nominated. Deepa was Oscar nominated, but it no, doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Rally. They're not, <laughs> yeah, we you won know, eight Oscars. We won them all. We swept. There. You know, you're not supposed to do false things as, as a politician, but I can. I'm just a comedian <laughs> smartass. You I just won- don't want Nepgate to bring me down. No, I don't want Oscar right. Gate to bring <laughs> me down. I'll take, you know? I'll take the heat. You won the Oscar, <laughs> the first of your seven. Um, but you were, the Be- Bebo Boys is a very popular movie and basically depicted a criminal family. Is that, is that safe to say? It was, it was Indo-Canadian, uh, an Indo-Canadian gang in, yes. uh, in, in Vancouver. Yes. Now, do you feel like, this is just hypothetically, do you feel like sure. a criminal background could help you in a political career? <laughs> <laughs> Who's our premier? Oh, <laughs> Ali said it, I didn't. <laughs> I'm, uh, oh, we're in Ontario, let's, by the way. Let's see what happens by the time this episode airs. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, 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 we may yeah. have a different answer to uh, who's our premier. Maybe our <laughs> yeah. maybe our former one. Let's let's jump ahead if we could to the one section that affects performing artists the most, which mm-hmm. you have been integral in in uh, moving forward. The Arts New Deal mm-hmm. initiative, where you mm-hmm. argue, and you won't get an argument from me or anyone. Uh, that's assembled here on this. Hey, a job in the arts is a job. It's an important economic Mm -hmm. sector and you've got to fight. We've got to fight to make sure it's recognized as such. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? So in in general, uh, it's important to recognize that culture, uh, particularly in a city and particularly as we continue forward with like, you know, working from home, which will continue, FYI, we have to start to ask ourselves, you know, what is a city? What is a country? What is the, the, the reason we exist? And and cultural infrastructure is a really big thing. So in, in the 1930s, FDR had a program called the Works Progress Administration in, that, in which he elevated a violin and a shovel to be the exact same thing. So yes, you know, there was a lot of unemployed people, so he put them to work, but there was also a large swath of unemployed artists. And what he did was the government basically hired them to make art. And it started the uh, careers of, you know, Mark Rothko, Jackson Pollock. It, it started the, uh, the careers because there was a mandate to get racialized and marginalized uh, communities to, to make art, namely women and black people. It started the careers, for instance, of Dorothy West, who is an African-American novelist. I mean, they just got WPA grants. Orson Welles did this famous, I could say it on a podcast, I can't say it on stage, but he did a famous production of Macbeth. And literally <laughs> there was like 30,000 in Harlem all black and 30,000 people were like lined up on opening night to kind of see it. It was, it was a huge kind of a cultural infrastructure project. And what it actually did was it, it pushed that country forward. And it's what really makes us identify with America as the place to be. I always tell people, listen, people don't want to go to America because the healthcare is cheap and the university tuition is, is, is nice. No, people are going to America for a story. And it's, it's important, I think, for us as Canadians, you know, we're on the Canadian star system. One of the reasons, ways to probably make a Canadian star system is to write a story and to really view culture as like the bedrock and foundation of this country. And particularly for a city and particularly like a riding like Parkdale High Park, I mean, give people a reason to go out, give people a reason to engage. Mm-hmm. The Arts New Deal is a big thing and something like an arts and culture tax credit is a big thing. To give everybody a little little bit of money that they can go engage in local art and local culture. Now, I, I just have to point out one little thing here that you might not know, but I gotta I have to represent my comedians. I belong to an organization called CASC, Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians, which sounds like it's made up, but it's not. And our main main mandate is because the Canada Council does not recognize comedy as a performing art that's crazy so so right now you couldn't get a grant to do a stand-up show no 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 that's not you could get a grant to do a tv show you could get a grant to write a song you could do a grant but you cannot get a grant to do a stand-up to do a show stand-up no. performance. That's ridiculous. Yeah. i know that's ridiculous. i know sketch i know sketch comedians in vancouver who have applied for grants and have had to be very creative in their language mm-hmm. because as a sketch group they can try and make it more mm-hmm. of a theatrical production right. but they have to make it sound like theater as opposed to using words sketch improv right. or stand up and yet we are so proud of our comedic mm-hmm. exports you know, we talk about the people who go down to the States and become mm-hmm. famous and everybody's very excited about those yeah. people. Yet in Canada, it we're not recognized. Yeah. So even within the arts bubble, <laughs> we're not recognized as an art, which is very frustrating. Look, I don't want to run away with this interview. This is not all about that. But no, but I view, I, what I see is I see money. Uh-huh. I literally and I think maybe again, this is how we need to start arguing these things. I go, hey, so that stand up show, whatever that grant you give them. 
Think about the amount of money that it brings in. Every job in culture gets 3.8 yeah. jobs. That's a that's a fact and stat from the government of Canada. That, I didn't make that return up. Return on investment. <laughs> yeah, return on investment. Also, again, you know, we're in this post-pandemic. We need to get people back together again. We need to get people engaging again, touching each other again, being around each other again. And so, you know, we need to really view culture as like a huge part of infrastructure and a stand-up comedy show. Also, it's cheap. It's one yeah. person. It's I one love. person that fills up the audience as if it was 20 people. Yeah, right, there's very, no, very, that's low, very low overhead, and I'm happy to hear you say that. And I think it's important, too, right, right now in this, in this time, to reflect on how heavily we are leaning on artists and their output right now to make life worth living. Right, Honestly, right. like I don't want to return to a world where there is no music being made or funded, that musicians can't get by, that, that actors can't launch shows, that comedians can't launch shows. Like, no one wants to live in that world. No one wants to live in a world where the only culture you can access is on screens or is just Netflix. No one wants to live in that world. And I think that what Ali is saying is right. If you have to speak the language of these existing politicians and talk return on investment or, you know, speak like an economist, the facts are there. The data is there. I mean, I've applied for Ontario Media Development Corporation grants before, and that is the the nuts and bolts of the application. You have to say for every dollar you invest in this project, we hope to be generating this much. Right. And that's what these industries do in Canada. Look at look at how many look at Schitt's Creek right now. Look at how many geniuses are in this country. All of the comedic exports that we all know that are household names. Right. They're all on Sarah's phone. All of them. She's got genius. Everyone except me. She doesn't have my number, but she has everyone else's. I keep trying to give it to her. She keeps rejecting it. Obviously, you're preaching to the converted here, but I hope that we can convince some people to take a look at that, that there is not just a benefit in terms of economics, real economic benefits, but it's feeding your soul. You might not be able to measure that, but man, there you should be. If you can't quantify it, you can certainly qualify it. All right, Ali, let's let's give you a chance here, my friend. I'm in your riding. Uh, yeah. you, you come up to my door. I'm home because there's no option to leave it right now. <laughs> um, so I've, I've answered the door. And this is the question I have for you as my candidate. What in your experience would you do differently than the current government? Sure. So I want to say that the reason why I'm running is because in January 2020, I heard about a virus out of Wuhan. And at that time, I was in the show Come From Away. And I started to do some digging. And very quickly, I read some preprint studies out of South Korea and Japan. And I saw very quickly that this virus spreads in the air and that this virus spreads asymptomatically. And right away, I realized that this is a virus that cannot be played footsie with. So I went to management. I said, what's the plan? They said, there's no plan. I went to the government, people that I knew, and I said, what's the plan? And I, I heard there's no plan. In fact, Doug Ford told us to go on March break, if you don't forget. And from that moment, I've been arguing for a tough, strong, vociferous lockdown, not against freedom, but for freedom, not against business, but for business until our vaccines come. And now we're in a situation, and this was articulated by Sarah, I think, very much, like just listening to that conversation. As somebody who is a creative person, we're not thinking about what now. We're constantly thinking about what is next. We asked Daniel Handler on our podcast. We said, hey, Daniel, what are you thinking about in return and, you know, in terms of COVID? And that's the guy who writes Lemony Snicket. He was like, you know, I'm not thinking about now. I'm thinking about the future. So I'm having those thoughts right now. So if you ask me, like, why should, you know, Ali, why should you be the member of provincial parliament in Parkdale High Park? It's because... I am literally here thinking about the future. And one of the big things that I'm thinking about right now is that ultimately one day, these vaccines will outpace the incompetence of our provincial government. But what is going to be left is a world that is forever changed. And I call it the digital present. And Sarah alluded to it a little bit. And so how do we become the masters of our own technological destiny? How do we create a profoundly digitally literate society? A society in which individuals, businesses, children speak technology as if it is an official language so that it isn't foreign. So this is what I would do. Quality broadband, a human right, an absolute human right. Everybody in this province 
and there's some issues with the riding in Parkdale High Park. Certain places, kids do not have good uh, broadband. They must have quality broadband. Businesses need to get grants and they need to get programs in order for them to digitize and digitalize their business so that they're a hybrid flower shop model so that they can sell in store and that they can sell online and that Amazon doesn't win. Shopping local cannot just be an act of altruism. We are human beings. I wish we were altruistic. We wouldn't be in these issues if you weren't. So how do we make shopping local both convenient and an issue of community? And then the final thing is I need to make sure that every single child that graduates high school knows how to code a computer. It is oh, imperative. It is absolute. These are the jobs of the future. These are the next businesses are going to be made through that. And even if you don't decide to go in computer programming, there's a lot of studies, A, that says, you know, GDP growth is tied to broadband. So let's make sure that happens. But kids who learn how to code increase their cognitive abilities, their reasoning abilities, their rational abilities, and their creative abilities. And so we need to make this happen. Because if we don't, we're again going to be like, wait a second, what happened to all the jobs? Wait a second. Location is going to stop mattering anymore. So if we can create an entire society that speaks technology as if it's an official language, then you have businesses saying, hey, where are we going to hire people? We're going to hire them from Ontario. We're going to hire them from Ontario. We're going to hire them from Ontario. That's really what I think about. I want, I want jobs, opportunity, and, and, I, and I don't want us to like meet the moment all the time. I kind of want the moment to meet us ready because the world moves very quickly. And if we're not on top of it, we're screwed. We're screwed. There's your motto right there. And uh, it's certain. <laughs> meet cer the moment? Uh, no, the last one. Uh, if we don't meet it, we're screwed. I like that one. We're screwed. I liked thinking of what's happening next. That's like Gretzky. Don't go where the puck is. Go where the yeah. puck's going to be. Uh, to put it for hockey terms. Nice for one, Patterson. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I wish you uh, I wish you all the best. Ali, why don't we give you a shot at those uh, those final two questions, sure. if you don't mind? Finish, Love it. Finish these sentences for me, please, Ali Moman. The Canadian star system is incoming. <laughs> I love Ooh, it. I like your I like your optimism. Thinking of the future. He's very consistent. And being the next door neighbor to the United States is like a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Never, never lose that honesty. A please, even yeah. if you get elected, don't be like. If you're on, just be like, you know what? Let's be honest. We want to deal with them, but they're a bit of a shit show. It's a bit of a shit show. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair. Diana, do you have anything to add? No, I'm still. Uh, I'm still reeling from that idea of every kid graduating high code. school knowing how to code because i think back to when i was going into grade eight i wanted to go into drama and my mom was like yeah okay but you're also going to learn to type and i remember thinking why do i need to learn how to type and now i'm really glad that you know i know how to type because i'm a you know, it was, it was so important to not only my education, mm -hmm. but just surviving in the world. And, you know, 50 years ago, that probably wasn't as big of a deal, you know, but it, it things change. The world changes and this is where it's going. So learn these skills. It's far it's more to where the puck is going. <laughs> yeah, I will, I'll say I'll say I'll say one final thing. You know, Steve Jobs, the final public statement he made before uh, he passed, he, he put a slide up and uh, it, it was it was technology intersecting with the liberal arts. And mm. he said on stage, and this is the most profitable, most successful company of all time. And he said, he goes, he goes, at Apple, technology is not enough. Mm -hmm. It's when technology intersects with the liberal arts, when it intersects with the humanities, when it, when it intersects with arts, that's when the heart sings. That is mm. when the heart sings. And, you know, we have this whole thing that we think that we could solve everything with STEM, science, technology, engineering, math. And I know I just talked about, you know, making sure everyone codes, but we also need a little bit of A in there. We need STEAM. You know, we need well steam. Arts, mm, yes. Steam. Full steam to, ahead. I was trying to figure out where the A fit. I was like, what does <laughs> what does A STEM mean? Uh, I was spelling it wrong. <laughs> Ali, thank you so much. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for introducing us. Thank to you, Ali. I'm so excited Thanks, about what you're going to do when you win. And everyone out there, please continue to follow Sarah Sleen. Uh, Ali Moman, uh, we will put up the uh, website information for everyone to get a hold of both of you, you, Sarah. Best of luck in the Junos. Thanks, best Diane, and the Canadian Screen Awards. And Canadian, I didn't even know that. And uh, and in the SoCan nominations as well. 
Allie, best of luck, obviously. And uh, thank you for helping us figure out a little bit of the Canadian star system, of which you are both a big part. So thank you. Thanks so much, Steve and Diana. Thank you. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephema Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. So give it up to these canucks, because I self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, you sure would miss Canadian Star System. Make it clean with Sarah Sleen. Sarah Sleen not actually included. I um, have a feeling that'll be she, our fake ad. It just writes yes, itself, yeah. doesn't it? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.